for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Fabian Ardaya, who covers the LA Dodgers and formerly covered the LA Angels for the Athletic, about the Giants squaring off against Shohei Otani. And also, we'll sprinkle in a little bit about the Giants and the Dodgers, and of course, the San Diego Padres, who are all the top three teams atop the National League West. The Dodgers and the Padres wrapping up a series yesterday. Of course, the Dodgers sweeping the Diamondbacks last weekend. Who hasn't? But now time to pay attention to this game. Kevin Gossman and Shohei Otani squaring off today down at the Big A in Anaheim. And then the A's come to town. And then the Giants head to Los Angeles. So a bunch to talk about with Fabian Ardaya, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Fabian Ardaya. He covers the L.A. Dodgers for The Athletic and perfect guy to have on for this week considering he used to cover the L.A. Angels of Anaheim for The Athletic as recently as earlier this season. Fabian, first time having you on the podcast, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Glad to be so useful. Super utility guy for today's podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're the Chris Taylor here of uh, of athletic coverage for trying to play all over. So I think I had you on on KNBR maybe a month or so back, two months back, and you had just made the switch over from the Angels to the Dodgers. And I want to get into that and the Angels stuff in just a minute. But Albert Pujols like followed you over, right? Like you left Anaheim, you get to Dodger Stadium, and like two days later, here comes Albert Pujols. Man, how has that been covering him both in uh, in Anaheim and now in Los Angeles? It's funny because like, I, I feel like there's like a two-week stretch there where I wasn't sure if he knew that I made the switch over either. Cause, uh, but then once <laughs> on-field access happened, like he saw me, I said hi. I joked that he followed me over. and It's been interesting, to say the least. I, I mean, it helps definitely for me like just writing about him, having that familiarity and knowing more intimately like, what it looks like watching him play every single day at this stage of his career. And obviously he's performed better than anyone could have expected for the Dodgers. They basically have used him exactly how they hoped to, uh, basically – against left-handed pitching, and he's done quite well against left-handed pitching this year, so it's been relatively successful. Speaking of left-handed pitching, I saw the uh, the Padres-Dodger game on Monday night, and uh, Julio Urias out there just didn't appear to have his best stuff. I know immediately now when pitchers have been pitching really well and then they don't have their best stuff or spin rates look down, we uh, immediately assume now it has to do with the sticky substance. The Dodgers kind of been under the spotlight for this stuff just because of uh, Trevor Bauer, just by the nature of him coming over from Spin-Cincinnati from last season and a bunch of the Dodgers having high spin rates. It doesn't appear to have affected their ability to score runs or keep runs off the board. What's the deal as far as the sticky situation with the Dodgers? Is it something that's becoming an issue? Are we hearing guys talk about it? Uh, is Trevor Bauer considerably different now that maybe he's not using that stuff? What's been your sort of scope on how this has played out with the Dodgers? Well, it's something that we talked about uh, with Mark Pryor over the weekend was just sort of like how much is this going to change things for you guys? The way he described it was it's just like anything else. If the guy's slider isn't working on a given time, like you just adjust and you tweak it. I think you've sort of seen that a little bit with some guys like, I know Bauer threw more change-ups than he has like, all season in his last start. Walker Buehler has been going to his sinker for the first time a little bit more often than since he was in the minor leagues. Like, I think you're seeing guys maybe tweak their arsenal. Play. It could be just like mid-season adjustments anyway. But, I mean, you're, you're sort of seeing that sort of stuff. And I think to go to Urias, like, I know his, his spin rate didn't, hasn't dropped like significantly since the initial memo even came out or even – when the owners started discussing that sort of stuff. Like, he has struggled of late. He said his stuff has not been quite where he wants it to be, but the spin rate hasn't had a notable jump. I think league-wide, we'll see sort of like a pretty clear-cut group of evidence, basically half of a season where guys are using and half a season where some guys aren't. And I think we'll see sort of like how much of a difference that really wound up making for a lot of guys. 
What did you think about the uh, sort of the first couple of days of it? I guess Monday would have been the first day where across baseball we saw guys like Jacob Degrom get checked, sort of like a TSA patted down. We're seeing him check the hats and the belts. I saw you had a good name for it on Twitter. You said somebody got a goop check, which I thought was pretty funny. Are we are we coming up with anything clever to call these sort of uh, I don't know umpire checkdowns or pat downs of the pitchers? I hope we don't get to the point where we do. I hope that we get to a point where like eventually we get used to them uh, and sort of like don't notice them as much. But like it's definitely interesting. I think it's funny. Like the first night that that was applicable. I mean, they for, like, I think it was like Joe Kelly coming off the mound. Uh, they didn't just check his belt, his club, and his hat. They also checked the goggles he wears too. So like I guess like they're making sure that they're relatively thorough. I guess sometimes they're more thorough than others. Like sometimes like the checks are like a second long, and sometimes they're actually sitting there for a second or two and having a conversation, but most of the time, like, they're laughing it off. I think until someone actually gets caught, ejected, suspended, uh, I think until then it's sort of just like a wait and see and maybe it'll just fade into the background, I think. Yeah, I think we're all just kind of hoping at some point it fades into the background. It's just one more layer of funny stuff going on in baseball. Uh, and maybe one of the funniest things happening in baseball is happening in the National League West. It's the Giants still out of nowhere, like 10 weeks into the season, maintaining their hot start. It's not just a hot start now. They're a good baseball team, and the Giants and the Dodgers are still up at the top there. Dodgers a couple of back of the Giants in that series with San Diego earlier this week. And so I'm wondering, you know, so much was made coming into the season about the Giants being, I mean, not even maybe the third best team in the division probably even behind Arizona everybody thought it was going to be San Diego and LA and it still may end up being a slugfest with those two teams to sort of wrap up the season and we'll see who can take the reins of the National League West but do you think most of that noise was coming from San Diego I know you were with the Angels uh, sort of in the preseason but now that we're into the season do the Dodgers you think as an organization and as a fan base do they look at the Giants and sort of scoff at them and say ah those guys are going to fall behind at some point and look at the Padres as the real threat or are they looking around saying this is going to be a whole lot more difficult to take down this division and this National League pennant with both of these teams hanging around? I will say I think the Dodgers and the Giants are for real. I think they recognize, obviously, they're very familiar with Farhan Zaidi. They understand how he builds a team. They understand, like, what works that he does. And, like, he's brought that over to the Giants. I think he's sort of seen that there's a lot of similarities between how those teams are built. Obviously, the Giants don't have, like, the in-their-prime-level stars uh, like the Dodgers do at this point. They, they they don't really have a Clayton Kershaw. They don't have a Cody Bellinger or Mookie Betts. But they still obviously have a lot of talented players. I think their overwhelming depth, I think, is something that's going to help them over the course of 162 games. I think also just the fact that the Giants have banked this many wins through 70 or so games. Like I think they can go 500 and still probably be a 90-win team. And that's going to make it very difficult for everyone. I mean, it's going to make it difficult for the Padres, who obviously haven't had the start of the season. I think that they envision they've been still very good, but their offense hasn't quite been where they wanted it to be. They see this as being a three-team race. I think the Dodgers still sort of see themselves, like probably rightfully so, as sort of like the favorites in that situation, uh, considering how many years in a row they've won the division and sort of how they feel like they haven't been at full strength really all year, and they feel like they're close to getting to that point. But obviously, they recognize like, this is going to be a three-team race probably down to September until the end. I was looking at the the Athletic does their power rankings each and every week, and Zach Buchanan, who we've had on the podcast, does a great job with this. And each week, it's almost like he's making a case for keeping the Giants out of the top spot. And now, as I mentioned, we're like 10 weeks in. It's getting more and more difficult to figure out why maybe they shouldn't be number one. They got as high as number two in this week's power rankings, still behind the Dodgers. Is there a case for the Giants being above the Dodgers? I know head-to-head, the Dodgers own them 4-3, to three, but usually the head-to-head record is not what this is all about. As far as depth go, as far as how many different ways they're 
show and they can win. I know the talent is certainly there on the Dodger roster, but do you think there's a case for making the Giants the number one team in baseball? I think there's a case just because of how they've performed, but I think also if you look at the underlying numbers with the Giants, obviously they deserve the record they've had. I think the Dodgers, you can argue, I think they have the second-best run differential in baseball. And there's still reason to believe that the Dodgers' best baseball is ahead of them. I think that's something that I'm sure the writers are sort of anticipating, uh, just that I mean, the Dodgers still have their next really big pair in them. And I think that that's sort of like going to be the moment where they maybe overtake the Giants or they like officially catch up to the Giants. And then they just sort of all sort of go neck and neck the rest of the way. But I think they sort of see all the things that the Giants do well, the Dodgers do well, as they also do well. And they also probably have more high-end talent than the Giants do, even though they both have similar depth. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I think experts look at it and they say, boy, the, the Dodgers are still, you don't even say hanging around. They're still winning you know, ball games by the fistful or by the handful, and they maybe have not played their best baseball yet. So certainly something to keep an eye on as we get into the uh, to the middle parts of the season, the dog days of the summer, as they call it. I want to get a thought from you on Shohei Otani, man. He is must-watch television. He's the most exciting player in baseball, probably the most entertaining player in baseball. I know Mike Trout out right now, but you were there covering both of these guys, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Now, we're finally seeing him sort of blossom into this. He's always been the two-way player, but he's now like hitting on days that he pitches. We saw him hit six homers last week and pick up a win in six innings of one-run ball, struck out five or six guys. Like, did When you were covering him, was it talked about a lot that he was potentially an MVP, or are we just seeing them now finally take the cover off of this car and say, rev it up, go show us what you can do, because they like bubble-wrapped him, babied him for the last couple of years. What was your thought when you were there and, and what you're seeing now sort of of the blossoming Shohei Otani? I think pretty much every conversation I had with Angels people, non-Angels people, like even leading up to this year, it was, it was sort of talking about, like, you think of any talented player in the, in the game, Shohei Otani is at that level in just about every regard, and that there was still more to tap into. I think everyone sort of saw that. I think there was talk under the previous regime with Billy Epler, just sort of like if he was able to stay healthy over the course of a full season with how they did things, uh, they would be able to work him into something like this, but not to this extent. I think. The fact that Joe Madden is his manager now, I think it says a lot to why he's being used the way he is and why they're so willing to let him do this. I think if there was almost any other manager in the game, he might not be allowed to do that. I think we're all sort of benefiting from that. I think just as a baseball community, I think we're all kind of hoping he stays healthy while doing this just because it's just that special. I think we're seeing that he is a guy who – Earlier in the season, he had the walk issues. He doesn't quite have those walk issues anymore, and he's still preventing runs at a really high rate. He's matured and grown as a hitter. He's impacting the baseball better than he ever has. And then you're seeing, like, he's playing the outfield now, and I know he hasn't had a chance out there, but I feel like just having the confidence that he can play out there for not doing so since, I think, 2014, I think says a lot. And also, they've sort of given him the green light to steal bases, too, which is something that they didn't really quite do until he got hurt in 2018 and they decided he wasn't pitching anymore. Then they sort of let him steal. We've seen the speed, but now we're seeing him just sort of do everything, which is still unbelievable every single time. 
Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, too. Gosman against Otani later this afternoon. That'll be a great one. One of the best matchups, pitching matchups in all of baseball. It's really cool. We're going to see him in the home run derby. I'm stoked about it. I'm a huge home run derby guy. I know some people think it's just glorified batting practice. Don't get into it. Ever since I was a little kid, I've loved the home run derby. It's must-watch TV for me, especially if Shohei Otani is going to be in it, and especially if it's in Denver, Colorado. That's something I have to watch. I am wondering, and maybe you've got any thought on this, I'm really hoping we get to see him pitch and hit in the All-Star game. What do you think? I feel like there might be a way they try to make that happen. I feel like just for the excitement part of it, it's all going to depend on pitching schedules and stuff like that, too. But if they can sort of treat it like a side session type thing, like I feel like that's something that Shohei would want to do. I feel like that's something that the Angels might be willing to let him do. I think it's something that I know from the outset of this year, it's been sort of an open dialogue between Shohei and Joe Madden in front office just for how he's feeling every single day and there's a lot of trust involved there so I think as long as there's that trust is still like strong that they if he doesn't feel like he's a hundred percent to be able to do it that they won't do it as long as that's sort of the case I feel like it's a possibility and it definitely would be quite interesting to have him hit and pitch in the same game in the all-star game against some of the best hitters in the world yeah, we could also see maybe him run out there and start dealing against guys, and then Kevin Cash would just come and yank him, maybe with an opportunity to win the ball game, right? So that's how that could go down, too. Fabian, great to have you on, man. Giants and the Dodgers playing a bunch as we get into the middle part of the season. I think next week in L.A., so we'll check in with you in the next couple of weeks, man, uh, again, when the Giants and the Dodgers get together. Thanks for the time today, man. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. Great stuff from Fabian and, and the All-Star Game for me. Summer Classic, one of the most entertaining things each and every year. I'm just a baseball junkie. I love all-star game time, and I love the home run derby. Would be really exciting to see Otani get to maybe win the home run derby and pitch and hit in the all-star game. I'm looking for a clean sweep. I'm looking for the uh, the all-star game Ted Williams MVP to Otani, and I'm also looking for a, a home run derby crown for Shohei Otani, and we'll find out about that in the next couple of weeks. Thank you to Fabian, thank you to Brian, and thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. A lot of fun stuff to get to in the days ahead. The Golden State Warriors, of course, in the draft lottery on Tuesday night. We can talk about that in the coming days. Also, the Giants opening up full capacity this weekend against the A's. That's what we'll discuss on Friday. It's the Giants and the A's at Oracle Park for a three-game series, Battle of the Bay, and at full capacity, the first full capacity event in San Francisco since the start of the pandemic. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.